Hey everyone, producer Scott here. I just wanted to provide a disclaimer that this episode was originally filmed and recorded on Sunday, December 4th, which was prior to the Scott Satterfield news that he was leaving for the head coaching job at Cincinnati, and it was also prior to the massive transfer portal entries that we've seen across the ACC or in the early part of this week. We'll have much more to talk about coming up next week when we start getting into the bowl season. Now enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, the ACC championship game in the books, the regular season in the books. How are you doing? How do you how do you feel about all that? I mean, I, I don't like I don't love this time of year because there's no more like consistent college football on Saturdays. So that mm-hmm. part bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do look forward to bowl season every year. I know some people don't like the bowl games. I still like bowl games. I'm kind of weird. I watch a lot of bowl games. It's just kind of the thing I do. So I still get excited about the bowls. So I do like this time of year. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to believe that we went through this weird offseason just in terms of this podcast where I had a kid. Then you had a kid. And we were on this like weird schedule. We're like doing all these season previews pretty much solo. And then we come mm-hmm. back and we get back into our routine. And right when we feel like we're really hitting our stride again, we're starting at now coming to the off season again. It's like, <laughs> that is just weird how this works. It's been a weird season. It's been a weird season. And uh, yeah, that's just kind of the way it works with this, with this sport is uh, pretty much all of it gets played in like a 12 week, 13 week period, you know? And so at that point, right. It's over, and uh, yeah, it's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. Uh, Mike, you want to recap the ACC championship game? Totally went how I thought. Um, yeah, Either way, sorta. How we got um, there was a little different. It was. It was. Let's get into that before we do. Let's remind the people to go follow us on YouTube at uh, sorry youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, go follow us on an Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, at BC Podcast ACC in a lot of those places. Um, go fo- go follow us if you don't. Um, we realized recently that we uh, we promote these things at the end of the show when a lot of people have probably checked out. So we're going to do it off the top now uh, as well, just to remind you where we can be found uh, other than on this year podcast feed, Mike. You have no excuse now. None. You can't you can't tell us you didn't know. Can't it only took us seven know. seasons to start promoting stuff at the beginning of the show as well. So. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I was going to say, producer Scott continues to make us better in uh, more ways than anyone really cares to understand. But uh, let's get into this game, Mike. Clemson, number nine, Clemson, 39, the number 23, North Carolina Tar Heels, 10. Um, Mike, I think the thing that stands out to me most about this game is I just told you that Clemson won this game by 29 points. It was a four-score win. Yes, North Carolina outgained Clemson in this game and lost by four scores. And really, I think that speaks to what we something we said in the preview before this game and what I felt like was really a major storyline here. North Carolina absolutely could not finish drives. Like, they, they could not finish drives to save their life in this game. Um, there were three separate drives. I, I texted this to the group here uh, somewhere mid-game, 
basically saying that there were three separate drives that North Carolina got into Clemson, got into the red zone, and they combined for a missed field goal, a turnover on downs, and a pick six. Yeah. That's three separate red zone drives that turned into a grand total of negative seven points for North Carolina in this game. Yeah. I mean, we said coming in that they were having trouble finishing drives in the red zone. That continued. Mm -hmm. That continued. Yep. They scored on their first drive of the game. And that was their last touchdown. Like, it what? just bizarre to me. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't see that coming, right? Yeah. <coughs> yeah, not great. I did not see that coming. So they, they scored the first touchdown of the game now. I see him march right up the field. And what I what I thought and what we mentioned on the preview is that if Carolina looked like that good early and they kind of cruised right up the field and Clemson didn't really have an answer and Clemson looked kind of sluggish offensively early, mm -hmm. then this was going to be probably a difficult thing for Clemson to overcome. What we didn't account for, Joey is that Dabo decided now, at this point in time, is when I'm going to go to Cade Klubnik. The old break glass in case of emergency. Mm -hmm. Club level. Yeah. It's one of those old uh, wrestling like mid-match entrances. Somebody just runs in randomly. Yeah, that was the music that hit, was that uh, in the club music. And Yeah. Uh, so, naturally, all he did was go 20 of 24 for 279 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for 30 yards and a touchdown, and he won, uh, he won MVP of the conference championship game and honestly honestly like in like the third quarter it was very clear that club was going to win mvp of this game yeah and i was kicking myself for not making like the meme pick of club on our preview show like why did i go with drake may that this was the obvious no. like no dumb no, 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 no. ridiculous no, 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 pick no, 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 that could have no, no, been no. made come on no 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 no, no. You, not only did you say drake may you then went to phil maffa <laughs> which is funnier hey you never know he did score a touchdown in this game. He did. Yeah. He did more than DJ did. <laughs> yikes. Uh, Speaking of. Yikes. Yeah. So I want to talk. We got to talk kind of extensively about this, I think, here, Joey. I think it's mm -hmm. our responsibility to do that. Mm -hmm. So we've seen Cade Klubnik play a few different times this year, sparingly, right? We saw him against Georgia Tech it was a blowout right we saw him kind of march team right up the field after Clemson and kind of like labored to score and like turn that game into a second half blowout then we yeah. saw Klubnik like march the team right up the field and I remember our, on our reaction after that we had talked to Cam because we ran our Miami preview late I remember we had Cam on the show right after that game um, the game went final and we jumped on and recorded right after that and I remember the conversation we had at the time was like yeah, Klubnik looks really good. Only a matter of time until he replaces DJ. But then we cautioned people because we were saying, well, Klubnik was playing against a bunch of twos, right? So, like, yeah. how much can you really take away from this? But he does look really good, and DJ looks like the same player, is what we thought after game one. Mm -hmm. Then throughout most of September, and I would say halfway through October, DJ looked like a really good quarterback. Like... Completing a high percentage of his throws, um, he looked more proficient in the running game than he did a year ago. I remember he uh, looked well, great against Wake Forest, for instance. Yeah, right. Um, threw for a billion yards against Wake Forest. Made some big time throws in that game down the stretch. He was a he was the reason they won the Wake Forest game. We yep. we said that on the recap. And then like late October and November happened, and Clemson started sputtering a little bit, right and. 
Clemson lost a game against Notre Dame in South Bend. DJ didn't play great, and Clemson obviously didn't look great even in their wins in November. They, you know, they beat Syracuse. Um, this was before Notre Dame, I guess, but they beat Syracuse, and Klubnik had to come in, and Klubnik didn't throw the ball really. I think it was two of two for like seventeen yards. Yeah, but you know, we were like, all right, this is a little weird. Like, is DJ the guy or is he not? And then November happened. Things were not going great for the Clemson offense, but they beat the hell out of Miami, and then they lost a head-scratcher last week to South Carolina. And Klubnik comes in now, right? He doesn't come in against South Carolina, right? And Dabo says, well, I thought Klubnik was going to take, you know, we had internal conversations, which is funny they said this to the media, by the way. He was like, yeah, we had internal conversations, and, you know, um, DJ was aware that, like, if he didn't play well enough that, you know, Cade was going to come in and that could be it which runs totally contrary to what he was telling us literally all year where he was like, yeah, you know what? DJ is actually playing great and you guys are all idiots. And this is DJ team. Even after, I think, was it after the Syracuse game? I think the club came in and helped them win the game. They came from behind, like all that. Yep. And, and the question after the game was like, well, is this Cade's team now? He's like, absolutely not. This is DJ's team. Cade knows that. Like, Klubnik, Klubnik said after the game it was DJ's team. They were yeah. asking him after the game because, oh, no, this is DJ's team. The first thing I told him was, hey, man, this is your show. You know, I'm just, I'm just here to help. And, yeah. like, great – it was like, okay, that Clemson culture wins out. But then Dabo just kind of throws water on the whole thing in the post game at the ACC championship. After replacing DJ on the after a second series, he brings in Cade Klubnik. Klubnik explodes, and then at halftime he's like, "Yeah, Klubnik's the guy." The rest of the game. Then after the game he goes, "Yeah, Klubnik's starting the bowl game," and all of a sudden he's like, "You know what? We've been saying we've been telling DJ the whole time if he didn't play well enough, he wasn't oh, going to start." Give me a break, man! Like I get you got to like. Last week he was eight for twenty nine passing the ball. Like, and you didn't take him out. Yeah, you didn't put Klubnik in once. What on earth? What are they? What I just don't understand. Yeah, I, mean, I don't it, get it's it. All lie. Like, I don't get it. And and this is this is confusing to me, right? Because there's there's a lot of things that we've criticized Dabo about regarding his program in terms of like the promotion from within, the not bringing in new ideas, the kind of like we're doing things our way, our culture wins out. You know, mm-hmm. we've contrasted that with Nick Saban where Nick Saban loved to run the ball. And then he was like, wait, can't win that way anymore. We're going to have to throw it 40 times a game, even if I hate it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're like, does Dabo really like, is Dabo ever going to make a change like that where he's like, yeah, I got to bring in ideas from outside the door. I got to utilize a transfer portal more. I got to, like, was he ever going to adapt? We've had that conversation a billion times on this podcast, right? And then the one thing that we gave Dabo credit for was he was never afraid to pull the trigger if he believed that his quarterback wasn't performing, right? He was never afraid to pull the trigger. Yep. So He'd done it in the past with Deshaun Watson. He had done it in the past with Trevor Lawrence. Like, yep. We've seen him do it before. We've seen him do it before, and and the the Watson the Watson one was easy because that quarterback situation was not very good, and then Watson came in and that was like he was the runaway guy. We knew that the quarterback situation that I think is more comparable to this current one is the one that Kelly Bryant took over when Deshaun Watson left. They had just won a national championship. Deshaun Watson leaves, and it's Kel- Kelly Bryant's team. Kelly Bryant, good player, really good runner okay passer but like 
decent decent player. I, you could do way worse at quarterback, in my opinion. And they have Trevor Lawrence, five star. And by October, Trevor Lawrence is starting. Mm-hmm. Deshaun, or, uh, and Kelly Bryant is out the door. Yep. He says, "I'm transferring." Right. And they needed they needed Chase Bryce to help them win that game against Syracuse. Um, go on to win a national championship with Trevor Lawrence. Why didn't Dabo do the same thing here? It is odd. Like, if Klubnik was every bit as good of a recruit as Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was a better recruit, like, high ratings-wise, but, like, Klubnik's a Mm five-star. He's really freaking good. He could have played anywhere he wanted. Mm -hmm. This, This is a comparable situation where it's pretty clear, like, the backup has a higher ceiling, than the starter, which sounds crazy to say because DJU was the number two overall recruit in that 2020 recruiting class, right? Number mm-hmm. two overall in the country. Like, no question what kind of prospect he was. But it was pretty clear that, like, he wasn't figuring it out in this offense, and Klubnik was behind him, and he had all the potential. Dabo wouldn't pull the trigger there. It's just so strange to me. Yeah. So strange. It took him to the ACC championship to do that. It just doesn't make any sense. You could have done it against South Carolina. He says, oh, we tried to do it against Notre Dame. No. You put Klubnik in the game. At the, at, you, you have him taking this first snaps of the game in the shadow of his, old goal, of his own goalpost, running out and throwing. With the ball on the two-yard line or whatever. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> throwing, rolling out across his body, throwing across his body, and he threw an interception. What did you expect? Yeah. And then you say after, oh, well, he didn't take it over against Notre Dame. No shit he didn't take it over against Notre Dame. Like, they were in a terrible spot there. Like, that, mm-hmm. you didn't set him up for success. I just think he was I, – I had a lot of issues with Dabo's post-game press conference last night, and I guess that's my long and short of it. I just went on a rant there, but I, that really irritated me. Yep. I have a couple of thoughts here. Um, number one being with Klubnik. Obviously, he looked great last night, right? Like, he – Again, 20 of 24, I mean, you're upwards of 80% completion, 279, a touchdown, no interceptions, uh, you know, ran the ball. Uh, he was your leading rusher with only 30 yards, but he was your leading rusher. Like, he looked great. Mike, that's about the only time that he has looked great all season, maybe since the Georgia Tech game, throwing the ball, really. They haven't let him throw right. it much, and when they have, it, it, it really hasn't been anything particularly impressive. Right. So my question to you is, is this about Cade Klubnik, just everything just really clicking for him? Or is this him going to go up against a less than vaunted North Carolina defense yeah. that uh, yeah. is kind of like playing on easy mode? And uh, no, there I might agree. be a little bit of something to that as well. Right. No, I mean, I think there is. It's a little bit of both, right? I think Klubnik certainly had a great game last night. I think there's no question that... I don't want to take anything away from Klubnik just because he played against a bad defense, right? Because he's still in the ACC championship game. It's still bright lights a whole nine. Like, he has sure. to come in yep. cold off the bench. Like, he knew he was going to play. Dabo said, you know, the game plan going in, which I believe, by the way, he said the game plan going in was that, you know, Cade was going to get some series in the third and fourth series of the game. They mentioned that um, at the beginning of the broadcast. So, you know, he brought that up in production meetings earlier in the week. Like, Cade was going to play. Mm-hmm. Like, that was clear. And I believe him when he says that. But still, for him to come off the bench and perform the way that he did, um, don't want to take anything away from him. But it is a cushioning landing spot, right? Like, North Carolina's rushing defense all year has been pretty decent. I thought Clemson, a lot of their issues last night in the running game were kind of 
it was more on the offensive line. Like I thought the offensive line just didn't play particularly well <laughs> in the running game, which was a surprise because they've run the ball pretty well all year. Mm-hmm. Um, give some credit, of course, to Clemson's front set or uh, to North Carolina's front seven, but Clemson really struggled to run the ball. Carolina's defense in the back end in the secondary is where they've really struggled all year. So for Klubnik to have this kind of success he had when he started to get into a rhythm didn't really surprise me at all. Right. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of both, Joey. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, all I'm saying, I mean, they're going to go play Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. And we'll talk about bowl lineup here shortly. Um, but, you know, even then, like that defense has not been incredible for them this year in Knoxville. So, you know, whatever he looks like, you know, last night, whatever he looks like in the bowl game, I just think we should be a little careful about what we project next season from that, because this is the kind of thing that could very easily be. Did you see the way that he ended last season? I think he's going to win the Heisman next year. And it's like, okay, let's, let's pump the brakes on this just a little bit. I also, and I also think that, and people were saying this on social media and I don't, I do not subscribe to this theory at all because I think Clemson's issues that some of the issues they had this year go beyond the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. But there were some there were some talking points out there saying if Cade Klubnick had started every game, Clemson would be in the playoff. No. I was like are we sure? Are we I'm not. absolutely sure? I'm not. Like I'm definitely not. Mm-hmm. Like they've had some self and and full disclosure too. Like DJ didn't play great against South Carolina. You mentioned his passing stats were not very good. But, like, Dabo brought this up, and he's right. There were several drops in the receiving core last week. Like, DJ didn't play spectacular, but his numbers were, like, literally, they couldn't have gotten worse, and he didn't have necessarily the help around him that I think he's had in other games this year, and that's just a fact. I'm not a thousand percent sure that this would be a playoff team with Klubnik. I think that's kind of a prisoner of the moment type take. Um, so I agree. I think Klubnik is going to be very good. There's no question in my mind that he's going to be a very good player. But I also want to remind people that we all thought DJU was going to be a really good player when he came yeah. in as a sub in South Bend against Notre Dame in the COVID year. Mm-hmm. And he looked spectacular, and he threw for almost 700 yards in his two starts in place of Trevor Lawrence, who was on the COVID list. He couldn't play for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I just want to caution people that just because a quarterback has a good start or two doesn't mean he's all of a sudden going to be lights out. Y'all remember Kenny Hill? Kenny Trill, I believe. Kenny Trill. Yeah. Remember, he <laughs> trademarked that, and we never heard from him again. Just I, yeah. I want to caution people. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he's in the Canadian Football League. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Tearing it up, I bet. Don't you Kenny know? Kenny Trill. Kenny Trill. Um, we got so that was relax. my thought on Cade Klubnik. I have another thought here, by the way. Uh, Mike, you mentioned that for DJU, like, this just kind of hasn't really worked out at Clemson. I think that's putting it lightly. So we saw how, how inaccurate, how bad he was throwing last week at South mm-hmm. Carolina, against South Carolina. We saw then he comes out the first two drives of this game, and – he was two for five passing for 10 yards. At least two of his three incompletions were atrocious. Yep. Like, like really he had bad. one where he tried to throw like kind of a quick out to a receiver that was open. And that ball skipped off the turf before it got to the receiver's feet. Like I, 
I, I think this goes beyond this isn't working out. I think this is like more serious of like a uh, this feels like he's got the yips or yeah. something like. Yeah, like this looks a lot like that second baseman in Major League Baseball. And, and I, my favorite one of my favorite examples is Chuck Knobloch for the Yankees like 20 years ago. And that's a, that's a name. If you haven't uh, if you haven't heard that name in a while. Greatest bag stance of all time, by the way. Yeah. He, he So he played second base for a long time, major league player. And just like all of a sudden one day it's like you make a bad throw to first and then the next one comes to you and you try to overthink it a little bit, trying to get it there. And next thing you know, it's like this thing that this professional athlete has done for more years and more times than they could ever possibly count. Yeah. All of a sudden can't make a throw to first base that I could make Mike. Like it's not a right. hard throw to make. But that's what it looks like with DJU with some of these throws is like we, we know and we've seen him make these throws without a problem. And I can't imagine that Clemson would let him go out there and start games if he couldn't make these throws in practice. Right. I don't know what this is, but this this does not look like a uh, well, just, you know, the scheme isn't great. Maybe it's not. And and do the receivers have problems at times? Sure. But like when you're making a couple of the throws that he made last night, there's something more going on there. And and I think that it's it's a thing where him getting a change of scenery and Clemson getting a change of scenery, I think might, uh, might everyone might win from, from might that benefit. Move. Yeah. might benefit both parties. I agree. I, I think, think DJ, I, I think he would benefit, you know, we talked about Clemson being like new voices in the room on offense. And by the way, I don't, my stance on that hasn't changed. I think that Dabo needs to go out and find an offensive coordinator or some more offense additional offensive assistance that are coming from outside of the program i still believe that by the way just mm -hmm. as kate klobnik looked good for one game doesn't mean i'm going to come off at that point yep and yep. um i think dj will benefit from hearing from somebody else you know what i mean um and kind of having the new set of ideas in his mind as well so i think it'll benefit both parties i think he's a shoe-in to go to somewhere like ucla where, mm -hmm. I mean, he's from California. UCLA is replacing a quarterback that I think, you know, DTR is a little bit more shifty than DJ, but he would be a similar type quarterback in their scheme. I think he'd fit really well there. Chip Kelly has sent multiple quarterbacks to the NFL. So, mm -hmm. you know, for all the talk about, you know, I, I know it's funny. It's like a catchphrase with coaches across college football. You know, oh, he's a quarterback whisperer. And, and everybody loves to, like, make fun of that. But, like, Chip Kelly's a pretty good developer of quarterbacks. And I think that DJ would benefit from going and playing for somebody like a Chip Kelly out there um, at UCLA. So you still play big time football in the Pac-12. You know, the Pac-12 is definitely on the ascent for sure um, with the Colorado hiring Dion and obviously Lincoln Riley at USC and Oregon's good and Utah just won the Pac-12. I mean, that that's a pretty good football conference right now. So I think, you know, having UCLA kind of still be in the fold would be cool. And I think DJ, you could play close to home and, Mm -hmm. I think would benefit from playing for somebody like Chip Kelly. Yeah, he's from Los Angeles specifically. Um, right. You know, he, you know, not just from California. He's from just right down the road. Right. Um, he went to St. John Bosco, if, if uh, memory serves here. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. And he he did. We'll, we're going to get into a couple of different transfer portal entries here in a little bit, but um, he did. I think I don't know if it was announced officially, but I think the report came out that he's expected to enter the transfer portal, which is just not surprising at all. And honestly, with the way that Clemson coached this game, like, you know, with the, the rotating quarterback kind of thing, I'm betting they knew that coming in. They, yeah. they were going to try to do him a solid, let him start and see how that goes. But there's a reason 
that now is the time that it's like, oh no, we got to make sure that Cade gets some time in this game. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And Dabo, and, and the way Dabo kind of went, he's always spoken highly of DJ, so I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. But he had a different tone when talking about the quarterback situation last night coming out of the game. I, I get part of it because Klubnik played so well and you have no choice but to kind of talk great about DJ. But mm-hmm. it did feel like he kind of went heel turn, and he and you know he was just like, "Cade's our guy for the bowl game, and you know DJ's going to you know have to you know keep working hard, just kind of understand where we're at." I just thought it was interesting how Dabo approached that post game press conference last night, and it feels like they knew that DJ was probably on his way out. It's just very. It was it was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, one more thing, speaking of heel turns, that I think we kind of probably should bring up. Mike, what? what <laughs> there was a pick six, a long pick six, <laughs> yeah. in the third quarter. And Clemson sets up for the PAT, and instead, yeah. Drew Swinney takes that thing right up the gut for a two-point conversion. It for was already, no what, it was thirty to ten. It was going to be thirty-one to ten. He just For no reason straight up the gut. Yeah, I was like, what, it, "What is this? Just some big middle finger?" Like I saw there was something in the in the pregame press conference between Dabo and Mac Brown, where Mac was maybe a little handsy with Dabo, and I don't know if that wasn't appreciated or, or what was happening here. But like, just what a what an odd time and a, kind of a bizarre call. I guess you could just very easily say, I don't know, Dabo wanted his boy to have have a moment, you know, but. I don't know. That was a that was a weird one for me. That that was odd, and also like off the bat, Klubnik throws a deep bomb to Cole Turner, who's a freshman. Who like he basically was like tripping for twenty five yards. It looked like mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was down at the one yard line, and and Clemson scored a short time later. He had like the longest fall of all time. He just like kept tripping, and. It cracked me up because Sean McDonough was like, yeah, that pass was complete to Cole Turner. And then Todd Blackledge, like, blurts out, he's not even on the depth chart. And he's, like, <laughs> they're, like looking through their, looking through all their sheets and they can't find his name. And, and McDonough, like, oh, that's Cole Turner, a freshman. And I was like, this is a disaster. Like, we're in the first quarter. And then the, mm-hmm. that happened later where they're snapping it to Dabo's kid and they're having him run in on a fake when it's a blowout. Why? What is the point? I don't know. And and maybe this is the kind of thing that maybe it got brought up in the post-game press conference and maybe somebody knows the answer to this or what he said about it. I have not seen it. I I would be curious to understand uh, what what was going on there. Yeah, very very interesting. Mhm. Uh Mike, it looks like depending on how we score our pick'em game, <laughs> oh god. You won like all the spread total first oh. half first quarter, like all that stuff. Uh, your picks went, looks like six and two. Mine went four and four. Uh, my, my mistake was taking the unders on the first half and first quarter total. Mm-hmm. So that was a mess, but it looks like I won the segment. That was the, uh, a lot of the other just random Super Bowl props. Uh, I got last scoring method. I got first and last team to punt first turnover committed last team to turn it over last turnover committed and most turnovers uh, all those I got correct. Uh, there were a couple more than than you had there. So, 
don't know. Seems fun. We were both, uh, I don't know, roughly 50-50, which is probably about how you expect these things to go. Uh, it was like a coin toss. Yeah. Even. Basically. Speaking of which, we did not really get to see, uh, was it heads? Was it tails? Who won? Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we're, we're assuming. Assume... Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Scott. We're going to assume it's North Carolina because they kicked. But maybe Clemson chose to receive if they won. Don't know. Somebody at the game could certainly tell us. Yeah. But so if you were there and you know, please let us know. Did Clemson win the coin toss and elect to receive, or did North Carolina win the coin toss and elect to defer? It's very important. Very it important. Is. Yeah, somebody's got to tell us. Also, if you know if it was heads or tails, please let us know that too, because uh, we have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee you if I was in the stadium and. You know, the official is yelling out, oh, it was heads. They'll kick. I mean, by then I'm like 17 beers deep anyway. I'm not going to remember, you know, <laughs> if it was heads or tails. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, this play. game's at 8 o'clock Eastern. Like, what else are you doing all day? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm tailgating. 100%. <laughs> Let those of us who have not tailgated before going and covering a game at the ACC Championship in the press box cast the first stone. It will not be me because – uh been there Been yeah there. yeah <laughs> not sober <laughs> clemson 39 north carolina 10 mike anything else before we uh move on to some other content and orders of business no nah, i think i think we're good to move on let's go into the bowl schedule we've got some oh, I, I think... real quick mm-hmm. I, I just want to circle back on carolina real fast mm-hmm. uh, what are we doing here like with mac brown and is Drake May going to still be the quarterback? There's been rumors he's going to transfer, which I don't buy, by the way. Like, his brother was – his brother's, like, one of the best shooters in school history on the basketball team. Like, they're a Carolina family. I'd be surprised if yeah. he which actually one, Luke transferred. May? Yeah, Luke May. That's his older brother. Yeah. 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 There's a third one, too, that also played basketball there, right? I believe so. Okay. Um, I would I would also be surprised if he transferred, partially for that reason, partially because, I mean – he was almost a Heisman finalist. What like what more do you want here? A and B, like, man, how many cautionary tales are there out there of guys transferring from one situation into another, and it is not an upgrade. Either they don't win starting jobs, things just don't mesh as well as they used to. You know, it's. I think he's in a pretty good situation there as long as Phil Longo is still the offensive coordinator, and. and Say what you will about Phil Longo. Say what you will about Mac Brown. Whatever. If you're Drake May, you are putting up numbers. You are the you you are a, a potential Heisman finalist. You're being discussed as like a top ten, if not top three draft pick. Like, get a seven to one touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, don't don't mess this up just for the sake of I, I don't know, just for the sake of wanting something new. Like I, right. keep your eye on the prize here, kid. Yeah. I, Look, they're not going to pay you the type of money that you are going to make in the NFL. That's right. That's right. Other kids not, may be a little different, but not in Drake May's case. Right. Drake May is is a uh, one of very few people that he he does not stand to gain a whole lot, I don't think, by uh, by transferring. Eye to the future. That's right. That's right. Clemson 39, North Carolina 10. Mike, we have a, a bowl lineup. I don't know if this is officially official, but it's it's close enough that we're going to get into here. Yep. Um, before we do that, let me remind the people about section103.com. 
the Internet's premier place to buy all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They've got things for uh, men, women, children, the whole family. They've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, things with the official Tech Gold, uh, things with all the official word marks and the ATL logo. You can see this shirt here I'm wearing right now. It's a performance shirt. Uh, it feels great. It looks great. Uh, I, I love wearing it anywhere around town here. Uh, trying to rep my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets here in Houston. There's a, uh, there's a pretty good following, and uh, I get a lot of uh, like fist bumps at the grocery store with people uh, saying, go Jackets and that kind of thing. So if you're looking for stuff to rep Georgia Tech out in the world or at a game here this winter with the basketball team, uh, the baseball's coming up in the spring, whatever you need, uh, go get it all at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Um, once again, this is a really great time for any of your Christmas presents, Hanukkah presents, Kwanzaa presents, Festivus presents. I, you know, you, you take your pick of whatever your, your holiday is. And if you're doing presents, section 103 is a really good place to go get them. So once again, use promo code go ACC for 10% off your first order at section 103.com. Really appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership. It's been another really great season. Yep. Let's keep going here, Mike. As we said, we have a bowl lineup at this point. We do. Um, I, I think this is you pretty much consider this official. Um, as we go through these, just like maybe a quick like one to two minutes on like how interested are you in watching this game? Yes, and uh, we can kind of go from there. So, yep, we're gonna, we're going to start. In, we're just going to go in chronological order. Um, the first game of bowl season is here in like uh, not less than two weeks. We're less than two weeks away. As Saturday, December seventeenth. This is a week before Christmas. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl as the Louisville Cardinals going to take on the Cincinnati Bearcats as they renew the battle for the keg of nails rivalry. Uh, that goes back to the old Big East days and I think even well before that. These, these are two schools separated by only like an hour, hour and a half, but uh, they'll go to Boston and play in a baseball stadium on December 17th at 11 in the morning on ESPN. So totally normal person behavior. That's right. Mike, are you interested in watching this game? Why not? Why not? Cincinnati without a coach. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a little, a little dicey. I mean, I would bet on it, right? I don't think Scott Satterfield will be fired before this game. Uh, but you know, I feel like Louisville at times can be a little feels a little bit like a semi Auburn situation of like you never quite know what's going to happen next as it relates to Louisville. So who knows? Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I mean it'll be it's got the rivalry feel to it, so that part of it will be cool. But it'll be a little watered down without Cincinnati having a coach. I really hope I don't I don't know which of these teams possesses the trophy right now the the uh, the actual keg of nails, but I really hope they bring it. And I really hope that they forget about like the bowl game trophy and the post game ceremony, and they're just celebrating with the keg and nails trophy. Like that would yeah. be that would be awesome. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that is on December seventeenth. Once again, at eleven a.m. It's a it's a Saturday. Um, I guess. Yeah, that'll be the week after the Army Navy game uh, on that Saturday morning. This is what they'll they'll play that in uh, in Boston at Fenway Park. Let's move on to the following Friday, December the twenty third. Can I jump in? You may. I'll let you know. Who, I'll let you know who holds the keg. Louisville holds the keg. They last won the keg back from Cincinnati in two, 2013. I was going to say they twelve, but okay, thirteen. Yeah. That was a Charlie Strong Louisville and probably Teddy Bridgewater as well, I believe. So that's kind of fun. Sounds right. So yeah, I hope they bring the keg. That'd be fun. I think that would be a lot of fun. 
So we'll see. All right, moving on. Moving on. Um, Scott, it looks like Mike had to go tend to uh, the wee baby McDaniel. Um, so we are going to keep rolling here, but um, you, you tell me how you're feeling about this. On December 23rd, you have gotten off of work. It's it's Christmas break. You're you're coming into Christmas Eve. At 6.30 on ESPN, it is the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl uh, from Tampa, Florida. Gasparilla. Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, I can't uh, roll my R's. All right, let's go. Yeah, four years of Spanish will uh, we'll help out with that. And so does the bourbon. But uh, Wake Forest, the Steam and Deeks, taking on the Missouri Tigers. Tickets going for $34 uh, for that game. I... I'm honestly a little surprised that we're getting a power five matchup in a pre Christmas bowl in Tampa, but sure. Yeah. I'll watch this. This looks interesting. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, Mizzou gave Georgia a battle earlier this season. Mm -hmm. um, Wake's been up and down as long as they don't turn the ball over. They're usually decent. So it, honestly, it could be a fun game. I mean, who knows? Wake likes to score. Mizzou's feisty. It could be fun. Mizzou is, is pretty good, pretty like reasonably creative on offense. I don't think it's like an offense that is really wacky, like really sticks out from the others, but they do some fun stuff and they'll score some points. So I definitely think this, this could be a, a very high scoring game. Let me check and see if there's a, a line on it yet. Um, let's see. Keep, come on, bring it up. Uh, not seeing one just yet, but I could see this being a total at least in the 60s, if not into the 70s even. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. That should be a fun game to watch and a nice like little Friday evening going into going into Christmas break. Yep, uh, I'll have it on. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, all right, so we had that game. We have two pre-Christmas games, and then we will after that we will wait until Wednesday, December the twenty eighth. So at that point, we have two games. The first one is at 2 o'clock on ESPN. It is the Duke Blue Devils taking on the UCF Knights in the Military Bowl presented by Periton. Uh, this is right up the road from you guys. I think there was some discussion that you might possibly try to sneak over there and, uh, and get to this game. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, the Military Bowl is traditionally held on Navy's campus at their stadium, which is in Annapolis, Maryland. So that's only about an hour from the North, Northern Virginia area where I am, a little bit further from Mike is now, a little bit more south. But um, previously when Virginia Tech has been a bowl team, they've gone to the Military Bowl and we've had an easy trip over there. So I made a joke mm -hmm. today that we could go check out this game and see what's going on over there in Annapolis. I look at this I'm matchup. Interested. This is go. like the this is the matchup I think of of the ACC's bowl season that I feel really good about the ACC's spot in this game. I think you've got a UCF team coming off disappointment in the in the conference championship game, a team from Orlando, Florida, traveling up to Annapolis to play in a in a cold weather game against a Duke team that was supposed to go like three and nine, and is probably pretty fired up to be there and does not mind the cold nearly as much. You'd figure from uh, being from North Carolina, I think I think this is a good spot for Duke. And keep an eye if if you find out that that uh, UCF is favored, especially by you know a good number of points here, I would lean with the Blue Devils. I think I hundred percent agree with that. I kind of don't really have anything against your analysis there, and I think Duke again, they've been doubted all year. Elko's just one coach of the year. He's going to try to prove it again. So. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Then later that evening at eight o'clock on Fox, it is the 
San Diego Credit or San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Uh, that is. Did this used to be the Poinsettia Bowl? Poinsettia. Poinsettia? Oh, did it? That Poinsettia? might be right. Um, I can't remember. All these they change all the time. Let me see. Yeah. So the Poinsettia Bowl. No, it, uh, that was a separate game. It, it used to be sponsored by San Diego County Credit Union. All right, so I get half credit. Yeah, and it was played in San Diego, so you're you're on the right path. But for whatever reason, now it's the uh, the Holiday Bowl. And let me check and triple check that this is like the these are different things through history. Yes, it is. Um, so yeah, both sponsored by San Diego County Credit Union. That's a mouthful, man. Um, anyways, it'll be North Carolina taking on the number 15 Oregon Ducks. And uh, I think that's a pretty high-profile prof- matchup. Um, again, you got the the ranking next to Oregon, and Oregon's been pretty good all year. But both teams coming in off some disappointment. I mean, Carolina's lost three in a row. Oregon's lost two of their last three and barely beat Utah for their win. So a couple teams that have had some some pretty high rankings at times this year, but – coming in kind of limping and uh, you know not really coming in strong to the finish. It does sound like Bo Nix is going to play in this game, so also a pretty good quarterback matchup between Bo Nix and Drake May. Yeah, um, I was about to ask about that, about Bo Nix, so good good plug. I Initial thoughts are I don't know how much either team is really going to care, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Um, like you said, they're coming off a little bit of a, you know, missteps at the end of the regular season, didn't probably reached the goals that they wanted to reach at the end of the year, especially for Oregon, who missed out in the Pac-12 title game. So maybe they'll have something to prove there and just like as a as a stepping stone into next year. Um, I think this is dangerous for North Carolina. I, I feel like they could easily kind of turn into what happened last night in the ACC championship game if they don't, if they aren't careful, especially with their defense. Um, yeah. But if Bonex isn't good bonix it could be it could be anyone's game so yeah <laughs> and you never really know what you're going to get from bonix so <laughs> at any given time he might be excellent he might be kind of terrible and just turn the ball over three times and uh you know you never really know um but i i think i lean with i, I think this this is set up for oregon to be uh you know have the advantage here we'll say i think that defense is actually pretty solid Offense has been pretty good as well, so I think Oregon probably a more complete team, but we'll come back and preview that game in a little more depth. Yeah, um, initial thoughts at the the initial over under total. I'm I'm guessing somewhere seventy one. I don't know. They, do they? Or is I haven't watched Oregon a lot this year to be honest. You just said their defense is kind of good. North Carolina's is terrible, so mm-hmm. they're gonna have to score to to keep up. Basically, is yeah. what I was thinking. I honestly, I would probably be interested in the under here because I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if it'll necessarily be in the seventies, but I could definitely see like in the mid sixties and the way that Carolina's offense has just really struggled to finish drives lately. And, and has, you know, they moved the ball between the twenties kind of thing, but they are not scoring points. Like I could see that same thing happening again here and kind of keeping the total down. So we'll see. So we've got those two games on the 28th. On the 29th, uh, we got two more games starting. That's this is a Thursday, by the way. At two o'clock on ESPN, we've got the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl as Yeehaw. the hometown Syracuse Orange taking on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 
Uh, is this a football game also in a baseball stadium? Yes, Yankee yes, Stadium. Yes, it is. Okay. This is in Yankee Stadium. I don't know why that's necessary, but it is. Um, but Syracuse, uh, I I don't know this sets up all that favorably. This is a game I will definitely have on while I'm working from home, but I would not consider this appointment viewing. I'll say that. I, I think this, this sets up very uh, for a very comfortable Minnesota win, I would think. Yep, and I don't think it's going to necessarily be exciting. Like, Minnesota, from all I've seen this year, which is not a lot of them, hasn't been that exciting. Syracuse, yeah. as we know, was very close to going 6-0 and then 0-6 down the stretch. Not that exciting. So, like you said, probably just on in the background for some background noise as we lead up into the New Year's. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. I will say this. You know, talking about teams that are motivated to be there... Again, it's it's Yankee State. You're in a baseball stadium in New York City in late December. Like it's going to be nasty weather and, and all that stuff. But a these two teams are perfectly fine with nasty weather. I mean, they're used to it. B, this is Syracuse's first bowl game in how many years? I bet they'll be fired up to be there either way. So that that's something definitely working in their favor. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would give the slight edge in the weather to Minnesota, actually, since they still play outside, um, and Syracuse doesn't. But I think you're right. Yep. yep. So keep that on your TV in the background while you uh, do other things, I guess. Fair enough. 5.30 on ESPN later that day. This will probably be just like the next thing on. Basically, just keep it tuned there. The number 13 Florida State Seminoles taking on the Oklahoma Sooners in the Cheez-It Bowl. This is the Cheez-It Bowl at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, not the Cheez-It Bowl formerly played at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona, for what that's worth. Yeah. Um, big names. This is a name bowl game. They got mm-hmm. Florida State, good brand. Oklahoma, good brand. Very good helmet game. Uh, yep. There you go. That's, that's the word for it. Um, <laughs> I definitely think Florida State should control this and win this game easily from all we've seen. I mean, they've been playing well. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma has not been great. Um, that's all I got. It's not a far trip for Florida State. It's a couple few hours down the road into Orlando. Um, Oklahoma, it's a far trip. Nah, that's all I have. Speaking of teams playing their first bowl game in a few years, somehow, we need to look this up. When was What was the last time that Florida State was in a bowl game? It was... 2019 when uh, Willie Taggart was fired and Odell Haggins took them to the Sun Bowl. So this is Mike Norvell's first year at Florida State. Uh, first of three seasons at Florida State that they've made a bowl game. Uh, they also did not make one in 2018. So only their second bowl game since Jimbo Fisher left after 2017. So that's uh, kind of a strange time for Florida State. But again, a team that has been playing well, like you said, Scott, and, and Oklahoma has been very underwhelming. I would like to think that Jimbo or Jimbo goodness. Uh, I would like to think that Mike Norvell will have them fired up for this game and ready to put a whooping on them. And and Oklahoma again has just been really unimpressive for large portions of this season. And uh, I think if Florida state brings their a game, they will, uh, they will win this game without a problem, but we'll see. Yep. Completely agree. That does it for the 29th. Our final three bowl games of the ACC slate are all on Friday, December the 30th. Uh, starting at noon on ESPN as 
the Duke's Mayo Bowl coming at you from Charlotte, North Carolina, baby. Top tier content bowl, baby. Duke's Mayo, formerly formerly known as the Belk Bowl. Uh, yes, I am honestly super interested in this game because of the content that Duke Mayo Bowl puts out on the internet. Like it's just funny. So it has I nothing mean, to do with what happens between the sidelines. It has everything to do with what happens elsewhere. <laughs> Correct. Uh, actually went to this bowl game once uh, when it was the Belk Bowl. Uh, it was a really fun game. It was when Virginia Tech played Arkansas back in 2016. We're down 24-0 at halftime and ended up winning that game, so it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, good atmosphere down there. They have they throw a good like pregame tailgate, from what I remember, like for the fans, and it was fun. Um, NC State, not obviously in the short trip for them. Maryland, not too far from Maryland for holiday time, so they'll probably have a good fan base, I would think. Um, and I think this game could get kind of weird. I mean, uh, Maryland's offense put up some good points against the likes of Ohio State, and uh, they're fun, I think, on offense. I don't really know much about them, to be honest, because they play in the Big Ten and they don't play in the ACC anymore, which is a crime. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and NC State's been oddly good without Devin Leary, and we've talked about that a lot this year. So um, we'll see who starts at quarterback again for NC State. Um Maybe MJ Morris is back from his injury. Maybe he's not. Who knows? Um, yeah. They obviously have a great defense. So I think this game could be really fun. Mm-hmm. I think it could be. Yeah, by the way, it's it's uh, the number 23 NC State Wolfpack taking on the Maryland Terrapins. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh, kind of important to, to note. Um, also, I, I think it's really critical to note here that uh, I, I'm just really happy that NC State finally gets a chance to play a game at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Um, good for them finally getting to make play make that appearance that's that's great um hasn't hasn't really happened in uh other circumstances but that's fine that's fine sorry nc state fan i'm just trying to make a joke here um yeah sure that could be fun that's uh, i think that's one high level team in nc state and another team that at least plays offense pretty well i think obviously is with most of these things it'll probably come down to motivation you know but nc state i figure will travel pretty well being not that far away like yeah, this should this should be pretty fun. I, I, I'm up for this game. Yep. Why It'll not? Be fun. Two o'clock on CBS, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, featuring the Pittsburgh Panthers and the number eighteen UCLA Bruins. Um, I I have no idea. I, I think this will be fun to watch. I think Pitt's gonna muddy this up. They will not let UCLA just like run away with it. Um, but. I can, th- this game, just for whatever reason, I just I have I, I get vibes here that this is going to get like real sideways somehow. Like this is going to be a really wonky game in some form or fashion, as I guess Pittsburgh games kind of like tend to be at times. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. Still don't really get the Sun Bowl. It's like the only bowl on CBS. I guess because it's old and it's had a lot of tradition to it. I don't get the Sun Bowl. Yeah. Apparently, so, you know, my my best man at my wedding, like, he he spent time in in El Paso. That's where he went to high school and uh, lived there for a number of years and and all this stuff. So I've been to visit him. I've been there. I'm always surprised when all these different teams that go there and they come back and they're like, oh, El Paso was so much fun. That was such a great time. I'm like, was it? It's interesting. It's not how I experienced it. Uh, But apparently, yeah, they put on a really good thing for the the players and the teams. Like, they, they love it. So good for them. Um, it is usually ends up being a, some sort of weird environment. I remember the game that Georgia Tech played against USC there when Lane was the head coach at USC. 
and they were playing in like 25 to 35 mile an hour winds. Uh, there was the game a couple of years ago where was it Miami played like Arizona state or something in like a blizzard. You get some pretty crazy weather that goes on uh, at the sun bowl at times. So you, you never know what you're going to get is what I'm saying. Yep. Um, I think you're right. I think it could get a little sideways. Sun bowl's weird. Uh, that's my take on it. I'll probably tune in just because it's right after the previous bowl game and there's not much going on that day and it'll be fun to watch. Hopefully don't yep. know. Yeah. That'll definitely be on the TV as I'm whatever I'm doing around the house. I think daycare is closed that day. So, uh, need some entertainment of some sort. See how that goes. Last bowl game, Scott at eight o'clock on ESPN on Friday, December the 30th. It is the capital one orange bowl. The number seven Clemson Tigers taking on the number six Tennessee Volunteers. I think this could be a really fun game to watch. Um, I, I don't like this matchup for Clemson. I think Tennessee's going to be able to hit enough big plays that they're going to score a bunch of points. We're going to get to see Cade Klubnick. Sounds like, again, if he's going to start the bowl game, you know, you get a good look at him for a full game and go to the club level. Uh, so there's that, you know. I don't know. Should be a fun game to watch. I think that's a fun matchup. It is the very, very, very orange bowl between Tennessee and Clemson for what that's worth. I like how you said that. Um, I was going to say it's the capital one orange bowl. They're really capitalizing the orange in this bowl, (laughs) Um, but uh, capital orange, orange bowl. (laughs) I'm really sad that um, Tennessee lost Hendon hooker. I felt like this game could have been super fun with him involved within the game. Um, Not just because of my previous affiliation with him and the Hokies, but He's a really good player, and it's sad that he's not playing. But yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think it should be fun. I think it should be really interesting, though, because yeah, K. Klubnik's gonna have a whole month to prep, but it's a te- SEC team. I don't know how well Clemson's gonna fare. I think it'll be a fun game. It's a New Year's Six game. I'll be tuning in. It's the top what top ten matchup, top whatever matchup. So. Mm -hmm. it'll be fun yep sure will sure will um that's all i got for the bowl lineup Uh, mike is still not back so we can keep moving here and we'll get his takes whenever he does get back Uh, a couple more newsy things i wanted to bring up Uh, we mentioned before i believe that jeff sims from georgia tech is transferring brandon armstrong from virginia as well will be transferring we got more uh, official word that phil Dracovic gonna be transferring out of boston college DJ Uyunglele as well, we assume, is going to be transferring out of Clemson. Uh, We also know that Courtney Jackson out of Syracuse, wide receiver, Al Blades, the defensive back out of Miami, transferring, and Nate McCollum, the wide receiver out of Georgia Tech, going to be transferring. Uh, Mike, welcome back. Do any of these transfers, like, really move the needle for you? Or are you just – are you where I'm at maybe a little bit with this, like – I'm already a little bit exhausted with this coaching carousel being – immediately followed up by the uh, quarterback transfer carousel. I mean, I think that college football would do themselves a lot of good if they either totally got rid of early signing day or if they moved early signing day kind of back a ways because how you have it right now with the schedule is you have early signing day, you know, occurring – basically like early December, mid-December, 
And what ends up happening is like with the portal and early signing period and everything else, like these coaches need to be put into place almost immediately. And it really makes things difficult in terms of the hiring process because you have to expedite everything. Like you got to move everything up. You got to fire coaches quicker than you ever have. And you got to hire new coaches quicker than you ever have. So um, what I would say is that it's definitely um, something I think that the NCAA should look at. Um, and I, I think they're, they're so pro player, which is good. I mean, you want to be pro player. You want to make sure that, you know, players are able to, you know, the one-time transfer rule and all that stuff is really good for the sport. But I think how the schedule is laid out right now, it makes it difficult from a coaching standpoint because you got players moving, you got coaches moving. It's all happening so quickly, and it's all happening before a lot of these team seasons have ended. Yeah, I'm going to jump in for Joey, who's uh, stepped away now. But um, so follow on. Do you think, like, just easy answer, the day after the national championship game is a good time? Or just removing it again and just going back to the original signing day, which is in February, right? Yeah. So was it – Yeah, February. I forget. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Wasn't it added to help – aid the players that want to enroll early yeah so early signing day and i'm pulling it up right now and mike's pulling up uh some information on early signing day not for this dead period but um yeah i think mike's point is correct i think the early signing day puts pressure on coaches to get fired earlier in the season get let go earlier and also have this mad dash right at the beginning of december so what did you find early signing day early signing day is december like this year is december 21st like that's pretty like there's still bowl games going on then you know what i mean so it just makes things difficult joey's back scott scott and i were just talking about how like early signing day has just really made things difficult in terms of coaching carousel coaching hiring cycles Mm -hmm. the fact the transfer portal literally opens up monday the sixth like formally like players have been able to say yeah i'm going into the portal yeah but monday the sixth of december like players are actually allowed to like formally transfer um in and out of schools you have all this stuff happening before seasons have ended Mm -hmm. and i just don't think that's right i'm all for i was telling scott i'm all for like the player empowerment being able to you know have them freely move from school to school one-time transfer rule all that stuff but i think the schedule the way that's laid out right now is pretty poor and it's doing i think coaches and also players a disservice yeah i I agree with that i mean ultimately the yeah the calendar is just like jacked up and it's it's impacting the coaching carousel time frame you know it's the reason you got guys getting fired in September now is because you, you really want to have someone in place by December 3rd or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all really messed up and, and it does need to be probably reevaluated. And I, I don't know what the right answer is necessarily, but there's too many kind of conflicting things going on at the same time that set up people to make uninformed decisions basically, or, um, you know, make, put people in position to get themselves, you know, in a bad situation later, I think. And so, I mean, yeah, it's messed up. What struck me, what's, what struck me last year is like the number one example was Texas tech fired Matt Wells. Mm-hmm. They hired Joey McGuire off of Baylor's staff, November the 8th. Yeah. The regular season was still going on for another month. I think he was an on-field assistant, right? Like, 
he was. He was. He was the associate head coach at Baylor. And they hired him away from Baylor on November 8th. There were still like three regular season games left. Yeah. I mean, that's just... And and that's... So far, that's been the aberration. But I remember when that happened, I was like, man, I hope this isn't something that like continues. Yeah. Because that's going to be really tough when coaches are being plucked off of staffs. And Baylor had a damn good team last year, you'll remember. They were a, a Big 12 title game team like they were damn good last year yeah they were they were so as as said i mean we'll have some transfers out of the acc um i don't know that any of these are necessarily like really surprising kind of guys that we thought might do this anyways so you know we'll see we'll see how this ends up going i guess for for these teams and who they might get in return from the portal the portal giveth the portal taketh away mike it's the number of transfers it's at particular schools that I'll be looking out for. Virginia Tech, Miami, like mm-hmm. those two schools in particular where expectations probably don't match the current roster composition. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you got to make some changes quickly, and you got two new coaching staffs that want to make changes quickly to the roster. Yep. Just how many guys are going to transfer out? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to exactly. know. So exactly. Tech's already had a few. Most of them have been reserves. Just interested to see how that shakes out. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Mike, that's all I've got on news. Should we talk upcoming schedule a little bit? Yes. Um, we are going to take, I think we're going to take maybe a week, week and a half off here. Um, I think we're both a little bit burnt out, you know, with, uh, with this show and other responsibilities kind of going on in life. So we're going to take a little bit of time and rest up before bowl season, but um, as as we kind of alluded to earlier, we are going to come back and do bowl previews here very shortly. We'll probably do a, a preview for each day of bowl season. Um, so keep it tuned here. We'll, we'll do a little bit more in-depth analysis on each individual game. Um, so, again, keep it tuned here. Um, otherwise, you know, after that, you know, we'll have some team season recaps that we do. Uh, we'll have content continuing all the way into the offseason for sure. So uh, keep it tuned here, Mike. Yep. This is we're set up as best as we ever have been to put out consistent off-season content. We're going to try to do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Joey and I are not having any kids next summer, as far as we know. That is correct. That is correct. So not that I'm aware. That would be of. news. <laughs> That's like six months away. So if you don't know now, you're gonna know soon. That's right. That's right. And I think you and I are both at a stage where. That's not something we have to worry about at present. <laughs> that, so, very true. Very true. Um, yes. I, I think we are. Uh, I think next season will look a little bit different for for the both of us. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, more sleep. Yep. Yep. Speaking of, I've got duties to uh, attend to here, so let's work on getting out of here real quick. Um, once again, you'll you'll be able to keep following us. Uh, you know, keep it tuned here. We'll have a lot of content coming your way. Follow us on YouTube, uh, youtubecom slash at the ACC Football Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you've got a Google account, just hit that hit that, hit that subscribe button. You know, on your phone, on on your browser, whatever. It would be really helpful. We'd appreciate it if you did. Um, we are on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together at BC Podcast ACC. He's at Severus underscore Snipes. Is producer Scott. So go find him there. Uh, we are on, uh, we, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Amazon music, all sorts of great places. You can go find your podcast. You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, the longest email address, no demand basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed Thank it. you. Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find some of our stuff there. Instagram at BC podcast, ACC. We post a lot on Instagram mm-hmm. now. So Scott certainly does. 
Yeah, uh, Joey and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I post the same as I did last That's year. That's right. That's right. I don't even think – I think it was just you who was posting last year, Joey. Yeah. Yeah. Probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us those places to help stay connected as we go into the offseason here and into bowl season and everything else. So appreciate those – you know, everyone for listening and, and for, uh, for those who are especially for new listeners this season. Uh, we really appreciate you. Yep. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. Sounds good. You want to come back and uh, start previewing some bowl games here soon? Yeah, we do. Uh, player of the week, Kate Klubnick. Yep. I think that's got to be the obvious make answer. It easy. Yep, make it easy. Good game for Jeremiah, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. And uh, not a bad game for Josh Downs either. Shout out to those guys. Yeah. Go easy see moment of the week is the uh, Sweeney two-point conversion. Yeah, has no to reason. be. Has to be. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. We're good. We, we covered most of the bases. We're good. You want to come back and preview some games? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Mike McDaniel. For producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC.